Well, hey, thank you for joining us for Centuries and Saints today. This is Scott for the podcast again. And right now we're in between seasons two and three. So I'm getting season three ready to go. I'll be returning to church history. But I wanted to put this one-off episode out there. Uh, This was a Bible study sermon that my wife and myself got to preach and teach together. And it was taken uh, from a book written by David Mathis, fantastic book called Habits of Grace. And basically, it was just a way of integrating spiritual disciplines into our Christian life. So I would highly recommend you grab that book. Uh, But I hope you enjoy this. Uh, My wife and I got to preach on the importance of prayer in the life of the Christian. And so uh, we shared this with a small group gathered in the chapel of our church here in Tulsa. And I just hope that it's a blessing to you uh, to seek the Lord's face and and become a man or a woman of more prayer. It's very important for our Christian walk, for our spiritual life. So I pray the Lord uses this episode to bless you, and I will talk to you some more and remind you again of the book when we get to the end of the episode. So tonight we're going to be talking about prayer. So we first, um, the, the first section in this book, which if you haven't been following, no worries, we'll catch you up. Um, the first section of the book, we talked about scripture and the importance of scripture in our lives. And um, again, we're going through the spiritual disciplines and talking about how those are um, a means of grace, as he calls it, habits of grace. And I like that because sometimes spiritual disciplines can feel like it's a discipline, right? Or it's legalistic, you know, that I have to do all these things. But it's really a means of God's grace. And so I, I love that. And so tonight we're going to be talking about prayer. And so I'm going to cover chapter 7, and then Scott will jump in on chapter 8. But really, this first chapter in this second section is just an introduction to prayer. So just a few thoughts, and and then Scott will talk. So I'm going to read a little bit of this chapter. Just if you haven't been following along, he, he says so much in such a short amount of pages. We were talking about that today, and I think he says it really well. So um, he starts off and he says in this chapter, um, God has designed regular channels, the means of grace, those well-worn pathways along which he is so often pleased to pass and pour out his goodness on those waiting expectantly. And so now we turn to focus on his voice to his ear. We must see his listening to us in prayer in relation to our listening to him in his word. And I think that's really important, having that first um, part, as we've talked about God's word, in line, because God uses his word. We've talked about that. We talked about the ways that God speaks to us um, in relation to prayer. And so he goes on to say this. First sounds his voice. By his word, he reveals himself and expresses his heart and unveils his son as the culmination of his speaking. By his word, he creates, he recreates, not just individual members, but a body called the church, which is the means of grace we'll turn to in part three. In wonder of wonders, not only does he express himself and bid us his voice, but he wants to hear ours. The speaking God not only has spoken, but he also listens. He stops, he stoops, 
and he wants to hear from you. He stands ready to hear your voice. Christian, you have the ear of God. We call it prayer. And then he goes on to um, discuss in this next section um, a conversation we didn't start. And that's something that's so true in salvation. We know that God's initiated first and we respond. And the same as in prayer. And he says this, um, prayer for the Christian is not merely talking to God, but responding to the one who has initiated towards us. He has spoken first. This is not a conversation we start, but a relationship into which we've been drawn. His voice breaks the silence. And then he goes into talking about, um, he says, prayer doesn't begin with our needs, but with his bounty. And, you know, as a church, we focused for about a year on the Acts prayer. Um, And I love that because sometimes we don't know where to start with prayer. You know, we might have some needs on our heart, but it's always puts us in relationship and the right relationship and mind frame. I think when we start with adoration, we think about who God is before going into our list of needs. And then the next small section, he talks about the purpose of prayer. And again, we were talking about this. Each one of these could be a huge long book. So he does like a very general flyover. But he he has a, a few quotes that are really good. But in this beginning part, he says, it shouldn't surprise us then to find that prayer is not finally about getting things from God, but getting God, getting God himself. And how many of you have seen the Aladdin, the new Aladdin? Has anybody seen it, seen it yet? It's really, really good. It reminds me of my childhood. But um, it reminds me of the genie in the bottle, right? Some people think of God that way. You know, we just rub the lamp and ask for what we want, and God's going to give us what we want. But um, I love this, this analogy of we're not asking God to give us things, but we are getting God himself when we pray. And I just love that. And C.S. Lewis, um, he has a quote from C.S. Lewis that says, Prayer is the sense of petition, asking for things, is a small part of it. Confession and penitence are its threshold. Adoration its sanctuary, and presence and vision and enjoyment of God is bread and wine. And in this last, last section, he talks more about the Acts prayer. Um, but then he summarizes and he says, Prayer is first and foremost most an orientation of life rather than the particular practices and patterns which might be characteristic of a certain community or season of life or season of church history. And then he talks about the importance of it being a habit and finding a regular time and place to pray. And I think it's something that we all know, you know, just like, You know, we get hungry at certain times of the day, so we eat. You know, prayer should be a part of the natural pattern of our lives. And that can be, it can be a challenge, you know, it really can. And I was thinking of an analogy. Um, After we first got married, when we got back from our honeymoon, we had a few days where we were just like unpacking things, unwrapping presents, and trying to like figure out our new rhythm and pattern together as being married. And I had been living overseas before, so I had packed up my whole life overseas, 
then we had had like a month of craziness and planning and so I had like no rhythms in my life and I thrive on schedules and having you know my regular things that I do and you know regular foods that I eat and things like that and so when we got back from our honeymoon we had a couple days where we were like why does everything feel so weird and we realized we need to like get in a pattern. We need to get into the rhythm. So like that day we're like, hey, we're gonna go to the gym. We're gonna, you know, like make a list and check off the things because we're insane planners. Um, yeah, we are. <laughs> but I think in the same way, you know, prayer can be a natural rhythm of our lives. And I love, I don't know the full history of, um, but just the hours of prayer, you know, where um, in monasteries, you know, they'll have different times of the day where it's like everybody stops and everybody prays and there's a rhythm to life. And I think for some people, it can become really legalistic. You can feel like, you know, you're holding yourself to this standard and God's not going to love you, you know, and, and things like that. But I think, again, as, if we view it as a means of God's grace, it can be a huge blessing in our lives to have certain times where we stop and pray. So that's just the introduction. I'll let talk, Scott talk about more. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> the chapter I had is called Pray in Secret. And in this chapter, so again, as, as Meredith said, um, that's sort of the introduction that he gives in this book to what prayer is, the functions, and the purposes that it serves. Um, and so in this chapter, Mathis goes into looking at the example of Jesus, uh, both Jesus' command in the Sermon on the Mount and also just the example that Jesus lived in his life, which was to find a secret sort of private place to spend time in prayer before the Father. And the whole point of this chapter is that you and I have the privilege of doing the same. And so it's, again, you know, habits of grace, um, spiritual disciplines, and it's how do you and I develop and cultivate maybe more of a greater uh, prayer life, and why do we need to? So he gets into some of those themes. So uh, briefly, I'll just go through this, um, and then it's really nice, as Meredith said, we are crazy planners, and it's great because he gives a five-point list of things you can do. It's, <laughs> it's just... Yeah, spiritual bread for my soul. The, the list, you know, that's good religious people. We like lists, you know. So, <laughs> um, okay. So he he kind of starts off, and again, this whole book is about spiritual disciplines, and I think that's one thing that we can forget is that prayer, besides being a great privilege we have to talk with our Father, um, it's also a spiritual discipline. You know, and that word discipline, I think it's true, at least I know for me, because it requires intentionality and effort to actually take time to pray. Um, you know, especially in this world and society that we live in right now, um, with technology being what it is, um, it's so easy to always be distracted and constantly be, your mind is just going from one thing to the next. And so it really is a discipline, you know, to develop a deep prayer life. And uh, Francis Chan, who some of you may know who he is, a pastor and an author, in 2015 at a conference for young people, like 40,000 people gather in this arena, and he, he said this, my biggest concern for this generation is your inability to focus, especially in prayer. You know, speaking to the iPhone generation, which there's my iPhone I'm a part of, you know. But it just reminded me that, man, prayer really is a discipline. It's a privilege, and it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, but it also takes discipline. 
you know, to develop these habits and these rhythms in our lives. And as Meredith was sharing about us trying to find our new normal when we got back from our honeymoon, those rhythms of life, uh, you know, a life that, that is devoid of prayer is like a marriage where you never, ever talk to the person you're married to. That would be really weird and a really terrible marriage, right? Um, communication, you know? So when we think about those things, um, one of the things that we see in Scripture constantly um, is that our relationship with God is described, especially by Paul, as union with Christ. And he uses a marriage metaphor often for that. So if you think about your relationship with God in that sense, that deep covenantal bond, um, we really are in relationship with him. And relationship obviously involves um, large amounts of communication. You know? And so if we think of prayer that way, at least that helps me to sort of take it out of the realm of religious duty and thing to check off again my list, because I love lists, um, as more of a delight. You know, I don't, uh, we've actually been laughing, because lately, now that I'm on summer break from school, I've been literally making lists every day of to-dos, because I have things I want to get done. But one thing I've never put on my to-do list is talk to Meredith. (laughs) That's not an item for me to check off my box. I love my wife, and I just love being with her and talking with her. That's not a duty, right? It's a joy for me. Mm And so I think we can maybe start to see prayer become more like that for all of us. Because I think if we're all honest, we all struggle with that. I do. A lot of times prayer for me is another thing to get done and kind of get out of the way so I can get other things done. And obviously that's not the optimal uh, way that prayer you know, should function in our lives. And so uh, with this chapter called Pray in Secret, uh, Mathis talks about Uh, The importance of having that private place where you're undistracted, uninterrupted, and you can really just get alone with the Father and spend time with Him in prayer, whether it's two minutes or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Um, The point is, again, as Jesus said in His famous Sermon on the Mount, you know, to get away, He called it, you know, get into a closet, you know, a private room, uh, because the religious leaders in Israel made a big show of their prayers. You know, they would, you know, have their long robes, and they would, uh, from what I understand, they would go out into the, the plazas and the stuff in the streets and blow trumpets and announce the fact that they were about to say the prayers they were going to say, and they would bellow their voices out and show everyone like, how religious I am, right? And Jesus says, yeah, let's get away from all that. Get into a private place, you know, and pray to your Father in secret. Jesus said, he said, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, Referring to the religious leaders. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And So again, there's this idea of prayer being this relationship with God. Obviously you all know that. Um, And cultivating that relationship by spending time with God. Alone, uninterrupted, undistracted. And so Mathis in this chapter is encouraging us um, to develop these kinds of habits. And then he talks uh, really quickly about the example that Jesus set for us, Um, not just his words, but also his example. You know, uh, we see many times in the Gospels it says that Jesus dismisses the crowds that had gathered around him, and then he goes off by himself to pray, to spend time with the Father. The night before he chose his 12 disciples who would become the apostles, he spent, uh, I think it's the Gospel of Mark says, the entire night in prayer with the Father before he chose his apostles. 
I'm always struck when I read through the Gospels. There's this one example in Mark, uh, the first chapter of Mark. You know, Mark's telling us all these things Jesus is doing. He's healing. He's uh, teaching. He's just, it's like he's from place to place to place. The, the pace of Mark takes your breath away. And then there's a verse where it says, Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out into a deserted place, and there he prayed. You know, so all day long, from sunup to sundown and beyond, Jesus is doing what we would think of as ministry, probably exhausted. And then he gets up before the sunrise to go pray. You know, and I'm like, wow, Lord, that's amazing. You know, and so that's what Mathis in this uh, chapter he talks about doing. So what I want to do now is I want to give you the list. <laughs> this was my favorite part of the whole chapter, <laughs> the list, and then a book recommendation. Because, come on, you know. Um, so, um, if anyone you can take notes or not, it's don't you're not gonna hurt my feelings. I'm just letting you know. Um, I'll I'll give these to you in just a super brief uh, thing. But this is actually really helpful for me, and I'm gonna start incorporating some of these things into my uh, prayer life as well. The first one is uh, create your closet. Create your closet. And basically, he just says, literally, select a quiet, private place where you can be alone without distraction. You know, whether that's a literal closet, I don't you know, your bedroom or your car. You know, a place where you can just be alone without distraction. Maybe the phone is on silent and turned upside down so you don't see the alerts coming through and those kinds of things, you know. Again, just creating that place. And again, this isn't, you know, we're not saying, wow, we, need, we all need to spend eight hours a day doing this, right? That's not the point. It's just how can we be more intentional as a church community to cultivate this private prayer? Um, so create your closet. Number two, and you can tell that he's a pastor because these are all alliterated. Um, number two, begin with Bible. Basically, again, this is following the example uh, of many of the church fathers and, and the reformers and it's just, it's read scripture and then pray in response to what you read. You know, I found that to be very helpful to read the Psalms uh, and then to pray back to God in a sense, you know, what you're reading about. Um, if nothing else, that's a great, great model for prayer is to pray God's inspired word, right? Uh, and then number three, adore, confess, thank, and ask. Or you could write the, the acronym ACTS. A-C-T-S. Um, and that's what we do, what we just did, the Acts prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? Um, and so this, again, is, is one of those things where, you know, maybe we, we get alone, spend some time in the Word, and we pray what we're reading about, and then we switch to something more structured, like the Acts prayer, or Martin Luther, the church reformer, he every day would pray the Lord's prayer. He would pray through it, the different parts of it. You know, again, giving some structure and some bones, so to speak, to prayer. Um, and then number four, divulge your desires and develop them. Divulge your desires and develop them. This is basically a fancy way of saying prayer requests, right? So just talk to the Lord about what's on your heart, the desires that you have. Ask for those things. Ask for God's will to be done. But then also, uh, you know, Ask God to shape your desires, to be what he wants your desires to be, right? God, what is your will for my life? Cause my heart and my mind to be in line with your will for my life. That's kind of the idea there. And then finally, number five, keep it fresh. Uh, change things up occasionally, right? 
You know, maybe pray through the Lord's Prayer every day for a week. And then pray the Acts Prayer every day for a week. And then find something else in Scripture or something that you find online. You know, just, again, keep it fresh, right? Um, I don't say the exact same words to my wife every day at the same exact time, right? It's not like a liturgy where I'm like, Meredith, it's 8.03. Here's what I'm going to say to you now. And then I just say the same sentence. Like, I put thought into it, right? You know? Create your closet. Begin with the Bible. Acts. Divulge your desires and develop them and keep it fresh. Super simple, um, but really helpful, I feel like. And so I'm looking forward to trying some of those things. And then finally, if you want to write this down, a book recommendation. A book called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. And you can, I think it's like 12 bucks on Amazon. Might be at the library. Um, Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. And it's basically that idea of how do we pray through Scripture, you know, which again is a, a great help for our prayer life. And so, yeah, that was my chapter, Pray in Secret. Again, so we had an introduction to prayer and then just some practical things about individual prayer. Well, again, thank you for listening to the episode today. And that was a message based upon the book written by David Mathis called Habits of Grace. Again, a fantastic book about how to integrate spiritual disciplines into our lives so that we can be more fully conformed to the image of Jesus and have greater intimacy with him. And again, that was a sermon that my wife and I preached together at our church here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at our convergence service uh, last summer summer of 2019. So I wanted to get that one produced and put on the podcast, uh, hopefully to be a blessing to you. So thanks again for listening. And until we return for season three, this is Scott for Centuries and Saints.